unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. I just love that opening music. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, back for another episode of Raw and Unscripted with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And boy, do we have an action-packed show for you tonight. You talk about two people that are passionate about getting you to stop with your excuses. You talk about two people that are excited about getting your mindset in the right place, actually disrupting your mindset. Ooh, I love that. Uh, the excuse eliminator, you know, I'm the no excuses coach. So we have the excuse eliminator on here as well that are going to be coming right up. But this show is really about determination, passion, uh, overcoming your obstacles, not having a mindset of victim versus victor being, being a victor in every situation that you possibly can, no matter what it is that is limiting you or holding you back. And tonight's show, we're especially going to be talking about that and the mindset of what we can do because some of us don't have the same obstacles and the same challenges that, that, that everybody else does, right? Some of our challenges could be mental. Some of our challenges could be physical. Some of our challenges could be spiritual. But today, my guest is Jose Flores. And Jose Flores is an amazing, amazing young man. Uh, I should say uh, an older man now a little bit, but I still think of him as a young man. Uh, what an amazing story he has that he's going to be sharing with you tonight. And our goal tonight is for, for you to just really hear the words that we're saying, hear the passion in our voices, hear the commitment that we both take to our lives and the things that we do to overcome our challenges, especially with Jose, um, and take some notes, you know, really engage with us, ask us questions here in the sidebar. This is actually a recorded show, but we're live. We're going to be live with the comments with you. So please feel free to ask myself or especially Jose, any questions, engage with us there in the comments. We will be live with you. This again, the show's recorded, but, uh, we will be there engaging with you live. So please help me welcoming my guest this show mr jose flores what's going on jose hey man what's going on brother thank you so much for having me man hey man I, you're most welcome and i've been excited to do this show for quite some time after we got introduced uh, a little while back in uh, being able to share your story and just talk to you in more detail because honestly i do this show to keep myself fired up to keep myself out of my own limiting excuses and my own limiting of beliefs and everything so so thank you for being here on the show to uh, share with us today why you are truly unstoppable so uh for the for the for the people who are watching and the people who are listening here on the podcast uh just give us a little bit of information about yourself jose and let's just drop into uh how we can help people have that kick-ass mindset and that those no excuses uh opportunities in their life yeah man for sure so for those of you that are watching uh you probably can see i am in a wheelchair and that's due to a condition that i was born with called spinal muscular atrophy and basically what that does is the older i get the weaker my muscles get so the doctor said that by the age of 15 i would end up in a wheelchair and they weren't even expecting me to live past my teenage years but like Chris said, man, you know, this year I have good news for you guys because this year I celebrated my 43rd birthday. That's right. 43 years young and uh, looking good, feeling good <laughs> and doing good in the world. And so, you know, but when I was younger, I had a great childhood, man, was able to walk and run, ride bike, throw rocks. You know what I mean? <laughs> and do all the things that healthy young boys do. But when I got into high school, man, that's when I really started to feel a shifting in my body in my body. And, uh, that's when things, basic life things just started getting difficult for me, like uh, sitting up, uh, I'm sorry, standing up and sitting down, going up and down the steps, you know, lifting my arms up uh, to put my shirts on, bending over to pull my pants up, you know, just basic things like that, man, started getting difficult for me. And it was, that's when it really started getting tough because, you know, you go from being this healthy, vibrant, you know, young individual and I'm still young, actually, in high school, obviously, but that's when you're really trying to, like, fit in and figure things out and think about your future and see what life is going to uh, look like for you. And uh, so, man, for me, I wasn't thinking about college. I wasn't thinking about a career. I wasn't thinking about the future, man. I was in survival mode, man. I just wanted to live till 19 years old. And then, you know, come to find out a couple years after, you know, after a uh, couple years into high school, I had already known that... Uh, there was four different types of what I have. At the time that I was diagnosed, they didn't know that. So later on, several years later, they figured out there's four types of what I have. So thank God, man, the first two types, um, those are the deadly ones. Those are the ones that can kill you. Like the first type one kills you like at 
between birth and two or three years old. Type two will kill you up until like uh, 10 or 12 years old. And then uh, this is the thank God part. Type three and four is uh, those are non-life threatening. And so I think I thank God I have type three, which is the um, adolescent form, which like I said, it was like 17 years old was when it started kicking in teenage, that's the teenage type. Then type four is adulthood. Some people can get stricken with this, not stricken with it, but it'll start to show itself when they're adults, like in their late twenties, early thirties, their bodies will just start getting weak out of nowhere. And so I have type three and, uh, but yeah, man, that's why I coined myself the mindset disruptor man, because my whole life as my body started giving up on me. And uh, going through all these different changes, uh, I was giving up on myself, on my dreams and things like that. And uh, I had to just keep that go-getter mentality and that I can't give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got you got Alexa in the background. <laughs> I, I can hear it. Is that Alexa in the background? Yeah, man. Darn Alexa, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Actually, I said that. I was, I was interviewing somebody one time and all of a sudden I said that. I said that word and their thing started uh, asking them questions while we're, <laughs> we're doing it live. It was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. No, I, could, I could recognize, like, it, it, I think it was a timer or something like that. But so, 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 so you have the, so you have the adolescent form of that type three, right? So, type three, yeah. so you, you were saying that it got progressive when you were, when you were a young adult, does that, does it continue to become progressive as you continue to get older? Or is there a plateau, plateau spot that you reach where it's like, okay, this is as worse it's going to get as aside from other aging related things like arthritis or something like that? Or do you, or does it just continue to cripple your body like uh, Lou Gehrig's uh, disease or something like that? Yeah. So it is a progressive, it's a slow progressive condition. So uh, even till now I'm 43, I can still move. I can still move and feel everything. And if you can see, you know, I can still, you know what I'm saying? I still have mobility, but I can't like lift my arms above my head. If somebody's saying, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I was at a, uh, I was like a, at a virtual event this weekend and, uh, you know, they had like a thousand people on the, on the, uh, you know, you can see all the little, you know, screens and everything. And the guy's like, yeah, raise your hand if, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just shaking my head, like an agreement trying to participate. Cause I couldn't raise my hand. So when they're asking questions or asking us to do stuff, I'm just like shaking my head or like, yeah, going crazy so they can see me, but you know, I can't even lift my arms above my head now. And, uh, you know, when that, when that started happening to me, man, you know, I'm gonna just be honest, but it's sometimes where I was like, God, you know, you know, there was, I've gone through phases. So in the beginning, when it all started happening, man, I, I just, I hated everything, man. I hated God. I hated the world. I was upset. I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. You know, why, what, you know, right. Why is this happening to me? Why me? You know, why, why not? Why does it, and y'all feel, you know, I joke around, but I used to be like, why can't my sister be born like this? <laughs> right. But I, I used to say that out of frustration though. <laughs> and we laugh about it now, but it's just like that. Why me syndrome, right? Like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, going through life, man, like anything else, you understand that, you know, life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. And when I started to understand that, man, and that's when my mindset started shifting about this whole spinal muscular atrophy condition that I have to live with. It was when I started understanding, okay, this isn't happening to you. This is happening for you. This is part of your purpose. This is part of the bigger story that's still unfolding. You just have to stick with it, keep pushing through and figure some things out. And the story is going to have an amazing ending, right? And Mm. it's because I have the opportunity to change my mindset, my attitude, my personality. And with all of that, I'm grateful, man. You know, I have, I do some interviews, man. And some people will say, you know, uh, if you could, you know, if you could walk again, would you, would, would you do it? You know, would you want to? And would you, if you can do it all over again, would you want to walk? And I was like, well, you know what? Obviously I would, I would, I would give anything to be able to walk and have my full strength back. But you know, man, to be honest with you, Chris, looking hindsight, brother, I'm in such a, an amazing place in my life right now that if I had to do it all over again, man, I would, bro. And I wouldn't change a thing. Wow. The reason That's I say crazy. that is because, yeah, man, because, you know, people ask me like, oh, would you be a motivational speaker? Would you be doing what you're doing now if you were walking? And I can't answer that. I don't know. You know, probably I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. So more than likely, I probably would have either been in jail, jail or dead. Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, if I can do it all over, man, Chris, if I can, if, you know, I can't even begin to tell you the people's stories that 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 message me on Facebook, that send me emails through my website, that come up to me after I do events and just share with me like life changing information that they've received from my story or something resonated with them or something clicked for them. 
And it's like, man, you're helping me. You changed my life, man. You changed my perspective, man. You know, I was going through this situation or I have a son who's in a wheelchair or my wife is in a wheelchair or my, you know, somebody that they know. And it's like, you said this and it touched my heart. And it's like, man, I get those type of stories all the time, man. And because of that, bro, is the reason why I wouldn't change anything. Because if I can, yo, if I have to die like this, bro, in this condition, like I'm a man of faith. I believe in God. I believe in miracles. I believe that I can get healed. I also believe that God can give wisdom to a scientist or a doctor that can create a cure. But if that's not in the plan, man, and, and I have to go out like this, then I'm okay with that, man. I'm okay with that. Because if I can die knowing that that I've been able to impact people's lives, man, for the good and help them to remove excuses, right? And to keep pushing through whatever their struggles may look like, then it's, it's, it's a job well done for me, man. I'll die a happy man. Man, Jose, thank you so much for sharing that. I really um, it gave, it made my, uh, hair on my, hand, my hair on my arm stand up. Sorry. Got a little emotional just thinking about, you know, everything because I, I'm currently trying to help some people right now who are struggling with someone who is not being kind to themselves. They are, um, they are definitely in a victim mindset and I'm trying to help people have a different perspective on what that person's going through and, and, and really trying to let them understand that as much as we try to help people and want it for them, that ultimately that person has to want it for themselves and, and has to do that work to get them out of the situation. So they, they do have a mindset like yours, even giving all the physicalities and the situations you went through. And it's such an early age. I mean, high school is such an impressionable, impressionable time. Um, you know, that's, that's really speaks a lot to, to where your brain and your heart is. And I, and I really understand and resonate with you on that, Jose, because People used to ask me when I was being interviewed, or they still do, like, you know, if you had it all over to do again, you know, would you would you want to be homeless? Would you want to have the mom that you had? Would you want to have gone through all the physical abuse and the mental abuse and the bullying and the, the, the abandonment of your father and the abandonment of your sister and all these different things that happened to me, you know, almost dying from committing suicide twice, but fortunately I sucked at it. People said, you know, what do you think you would have, you know, if you had a normal life, where do you think you would have been? Did you, did you want a normal life? And I'm like, I'm a seventh grade dropout, right? And I sit there and I think about it the same way you did, Jose. And I think it's beautiful. I'm like, no, no, I, I, would, I wouldn't want anything different because all of those situations, as horrible and as shitty as they were, um, created the person that, that stands before you today and stands with you today, Jose. And, and both of us together, you especially in your situation, being able to tell people like, listen, you can, you can choose to be a victim and, and wallow in your self-pity and be, you know, just, and just be, um, bitter for the rest of your life, or you could take the situation like you have and said, okay, what can I do to turn this around? And, and I love what you shared about impacting other people because you know what your why is. And if you know what your why is, then you know what your how is. What Talk to us about those times. Did you have a support team around you keeping you motivated and, and inspired? Was your family naturally that way? Or did you have to kind of like pick everybody else up during those times and say, hey, come on guys, it's going to be okay. Well, it was a little bit of both, man. It was a little bit of both. Cause you know, when you have a family member that has a condition, it's like, it's, 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 it affects everybody and everybody goes through their ups and downs with dealing with the situation, right? Caregivers deal with it, having to care for the person. And then the person going through it has to deal with it, you know, uh, and, and depend on the caregiver. So it was like a little bit of both, but you know what, man, my family has always been supportive of me. You know, the love that my mom has shown me, uh, my mom's always been there for me, man. And she was always like encouraging me and pushing me to do great things. But, you know, it was my own self-limiting belief that wasn't believing the things she was telling me. And I didn't even believe it for myself. So how can I believe somebody else telling me something that, that I thought wasn't true for myself? And, but, you know, on those days, man, where I felt down and out, man, I just like, again, I just thank God that he, he, he built in me a spirit, like a, 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 and then and also the fact that I grew up in the Bronx, New York, you know, if you grew up in any of the five boroughs in New York City, you do, you you naturally uh, and and, you know, it's automatic that you develop a, 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 a thick skin, right? Tough skin. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that with because I mean, you think about it, man, I could have been born anywhere in the world, but I was born in the Bronx, New York. It was like, all right, we're going to let you get, you know, we're going to give you birth here so you can develop that thick skin that's going to carry you the whole rest of your life. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, that uh, coupled with, um, you know, just like I've always had like a, a positive attitude, man. And, and, the, and I think it's because the fact that I knew I had this at a young age, even though it wasn't like uh, visible when I was young, 
I always knew it was living inside of me and that at some point it would show its ugly little head. But growing up with it, man, I always had compassion to other people because like I was always the guy like fighting the bullies and standing up for people who couldn't stand up for themselves because I knew I had this in me and I, and I knew that at any moment this could show its head and I would be that one getting bullied. And mm. so when I saw people going through that, I would stand up for them. When I saw like older people struggling, like there was a dude in my neighborhood who was in a wheelchair. He was a vet. I'd see him with groceries piled onto his wheelchair. He had one leg and he used to push himself with one leg. So every time I saw him, man, I'd run up to him and I'd push him, you know, all the way. There was like maybe two blocks up. I would, I would push him all the way to his house, carry his groceries for him, put him away. And um, it wasn't frequently that I saw him, but every time I saw him, man, I helped him out every time. So I was always like that helpful dude because I knew eventually I was going to be that dude that needed help, that needed to ask people for this and ask people for that. So I was like paying my dues early so that when I came to that point, people would be, uh, uh, you know, willing to help me. And I can't complain, man. You know, I've been very fortunate everywhere I've gone. People have been very helpful uh, to me, um, wanting to help me and just do all different types of things uh, to make sure that I'm okay, man. Mm, That's beautiful. I I did the same thing. I, I, I make it an extra point. Um, when I see people out in public or are struggling to, to help them out and just to kind of just always be the change that we want to see. Right. Um, we were talking about coaching a little bit ago. I have a group coaching program right now. And one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're having our, 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 uh, our, uh, members, um, go on out and finding ways to show empathy towards people and ways to give love and make the world a better place and just holding the door open for somebody or helping somebody with their groceries that might, you know, maybe just got out of the hospital and they had knee surgery and you're helping them put their groceries in their car. Um, yeah, all, all of that just lends to making the world a better place and just lends to having a, 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 a nicer soul, which obviously you can see your soul. Uh, a question I have for you, Jose, that always intrigues me when I talk to people about, you know, people come to me for coaching and whatnot. And there's, I'm like, are you doing the best you can in these situations? Like, yes, I'm doing my best. And it was for me, Jose, it was a couple of years ago. It was probably about, actually probably about four or five years ago. Now that I think about it, where I did something one day and I was like, you know, I was taking off my watch. It was the end of the day. And I was like, you know, I did the best I could. And I stopped there, honestly, Jose. And I was like, best, best. Was that my best? And I went through this whole mental thing about my best. What is your, what is your, what are your thoughts on our best? And what advice would you give to people to really find out their best? Cause you know, and I know our best is never truly our best. So what are your thoughts on that? Given your situation and what you've seen and how you've coached people to find their best. Yeah, man. So, you know, there's, there's, we, there's always, we, as, as, as human beings, there's, always some level of giving a little extra more, no matter how fatigued you are, no matter how tired you are, no matter how drained out or how matter how weary you are, there's always a little bit extra that you can keep doing. And I'm a firm believer in that, man. Like I'm, I'm a believer, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And, and that, and that happens by you giving a little bit extra every single day on a consistent basis. So if you if you if you read ten pages yesterday of a book, then today read eleven or twelve or thirteen, right? Just doing that little bit extra is going to add value to you because now you have you know two or three extra pages of information that you can now apply to your life and help share with other people and help them apply to their lives. So it's always like that little bit extra that you can do um, on a consistent basis, and you know. I'm going to just be completely transparent with you and your audience, man. You know, uh, when I was growing up, I, I used to have dreams of having the big house and the cars and the good jobs and all of that. And I've had great jobs. Right? I've been, I was in corporate America before I went entrepreneurial full time. And corporate America helped me, you know, generate a very decent income, above average income. And uh, but my real dream was, man, Chris, was was wondering if a woman was ever going to love me like this, if I was going to have children or be able to own a home or drive a car and do all of these type of things. And uh, man, through the grace of God, brother, I, I, he's blessed me with a beautiful wife. Uh, we've uh, we, we just celebrated 13 years of marriage. We've been together for 20 years. We have two amazing young boys together. And, uh, you know, I'm just super excited. Yeah, man. And, and healthy young boys, strong. My, my youngest son is uh, 6'1". My, my uh, older son is 5'11". So they're big boys. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, you know, God knew what he was doing. He knew that my wife was going to need help helping me. So he gave mm-hmm. us two boys and I'm going to just be authentic with you guys, man. There's times, but both my boys are grown now. They're out of the house. One is in college. One is on his own roommating in corporate America as well. And so my wife and I are empty nesters now, but man, let me tell you, there's days where my wife is completely tapped out, brother. Like I'm talking about working all day, 
helping me all day with my needs, taking care of her own needs. Sometimes our boys are calling with needs. And then at night when it's time to put me in the shower, she has to physically lift me up like a bear hug, put me into my shower chair, like take me out of this chair, put me into my shower chair and then and then help me in the shower, help bathe me and all of that. And bro, you can you you know what I'm talking about. If any of you guys are listening to this, you know when you go to the gym, you had a long day at work, it's stressful, or whatever the case may be, and you come home, all you want to do is take your clothes off, take a shower, and get in bed, and maybe watch some TV or read a book or listen to an audio or some relaxing music, and you don't want to be bothered. But that doesn't happen for my wife because she has to help me help myself. Right. So there's days, man, where she this and this is all I'm, I'm sharing all it is going back to the whole point of how can people be their best? Mm-hmm. And it's by giving that little extra when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Even when you listen, I'm going to be honest, my wife doesn't feel like lifting to uh, lifting 160 pounds of dead weight to put it in, a, put me in the shower and bathe me when she's exhausted. She doesn't feel like it, but she does it anyway. And she never complains. That's why my wife and I have a successful, thriving marriage, because we give each other that little extra, even when we don't feel like it. Mm, And if you want to be your best, yeah, you got to give that little extra, even when you don't feel like it. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that, Jose. And when we look at this, the research, you know, how much of our brains do we really use? How much of our maximum capacity do we really use? You know, how much more can we do? And for me, honestly, I looked at, I look at things some, some ways very sick and sadistical for my, for my own mind processing. How can I get myself out of a situation? When I was thinking about my best, I was like, okay, how can I put this in perspective that I can actually gauge it? How can I measure what my best is? And I thought about it. And this, I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but I use this situation. Like when people sit there and say, you know, they could always use more money. Right. And I'm like, you know, do you think you could raise $20,000 in a week? They're like, Oh my God, I couldn't raise 200 bucks in a week. And I'm like, well, let me phrase that differently. If I put a gun to your favorite person's head and I said, if you don't come up with $20,000, that isn't illegal, immoral or unethical, uh, I'm going to put a bullet through so-and-so's head. Suddenly your best becomes a lot better, right? Because you become resourceful because you're really engaged in what that final outcome is. It's not, it's not a hope or a wish. It's an absolute, right? You have to have an absolute in order to know what your best is. What is your absolute? For me, it's not having any regrets. I am scared shitless of having regrets and getting older and being like, man, I could have done this and I could have done that. And I didn't take that chance because I was this or that. So for me, my best is always like, okay, you know, am I really giving it my all. And some days I have to sit there and like raise my hand and say, you know, I'm not giving it my all. And that's why I'm not where I want to be. So I'm constantly thinking about what it is that I can do um, to get through those situations. So thank you for saying that because we always have a little bit extra. And I love that you put on there that we don't complain about it. Right. It, that's one thing that, that pisses me off so much, Jose, is when sit there and when people sit there and say they're doing so much more, but then they just bitch about it every single time. And I'm like, Really? Like you said, you know, you get to, you get to, I talked about people like they get to do things, right? You get to, you get to take care of you, but you get to do these things. Like some people would say they're limited. Um, but talk to, talk to us about how you met your wife and what that situation was like and, and, and how she became a part of your caretaking, uh, uh, um, routines because that's, that's remarkable. Yeah. You know, we met at a job. We were both working for the same, uh, corporate company. It was a timeshare company. And uh, she was already working there. I had I had just started working there. And uh, she, when she met me, I was in a wheelchair. She met me in a wheelchair, you know. And we just happened to be like on the same team, and uh, we became really good friends. We had a really a good group of friends that we used to hang that we still hang out with to this to this day. We hang out with those same with that, some of those same team members, and uh, we just used to have a good time. We used to go out together, go to the movies, go to the beach. I'm down here in sunny South Florida. So we used to go to the beach and, and movie theaters and just do little, we would have game nights at different people's houses. And we just really became good friends, man. And uh, just one thing led to the next. And, you know, one day I knew she was single uh, she, and she knew I was single. And one day I just, you know, asked her to be my Valentine. It was around February. So I said, you know, would you, you have a Valentine? Would you be my Valentine? She said, yeah. So we went to dinner. Uh, we had our first kiss there and uh, that was all she wrote, man. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. And uh, we're best friends, man. And, and we, we love each other unconditionally. Uh, like I said, she she uh, she helps me never complaining, never huffing and puffing. And uh, 
she's just an incredible individual. Like I, everywhere I go, when I'm speaking on stages, no matter where it is, I always take a few moments uh, moments to honor my wife because if it wasn't for her, man, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I wouldn't be here on this podcast with you right now on your show because guess what? If she wasn't here to lift me up out of my bed this morning, <laughs> mm. I'd still be in bed. You know what I mean? And so, you know, she she's a real rock star. She's the uh, MVP of our family. You know, she's just an amazing overall woman beautiful inside and out, uh, loving, loving, unconditional. She's shown my, you know, me and my boys what real compassion, uh, patience and kindness has looked like. And, you know, we've instilled that into our boys and, uh, that, that, that's just who we, who we've become together. You know, we're, I tell my wife, you know, we're a movement. I'm a movement by myself, right? Because of my attitude, my personality, but we're a force when we're together. And, uh, we're like a power couple, man. Everywhere we go, you know, she has this bright, vibrant, fiery red hair. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's like, you can't miss us, man. And everybody knows us. Everybody knows us as, you know, the chair in the hair, the guy in the chair and the girl with the hair, you know? So it's like the chair in the hair. (laughs) The chair in the hair. That's a kid's book. I know. Trust me, it's coming. It's coming, bro. It's coming. I just dropped a little hint, but you you, you figured it out, man. Mm -hmm. It's coming. We're going to be writing a book too. So we actually just wrote a book uh, together. We just finished writing a book. It's going to be launching uh, Valentine's Day actually next year. Uh, that's the goal, but it's called uh, What Real Love Looks Like, How to Have It All, Even When You Don't Have It All. And um, it's going to be a powerful book. We're actually creating a curriculum with that and some activities that go along with it. We're going to be doing marriage retreats, relationship conferences, and bringing in some relationship experts. It's going to be amazing, man. And we're going to have some fun. So 2021 is going to be a powerful year full of a lot of love. Dude, dude, let me know when that book comes out because I'll be back on the show and have you on my Friday night show so we can uh, we can explore that and talk about that because that's that's a very uh, near and dear subject to my heart as well uh, is that is the marriage component and having that partnership and being able to really work through you know the struggles that we face because I can only imagine, Jose, uh, what's your wife's name again? I'm forgetting it right now. Andrea. Andrea. Yeah. I mean, you think about yourself and Andrea and having your boys. I mean, what, what type of challenges did you, did you have as parents, you know, with your sons going to school and, you know, potentially them making fun of you or, you know, kids don't know what to say. What kind of challenges did you have as parents to be able to instill again, that compassion in your kids and and be able to uh, guide them through, you know, what could be a challenging portion of their life for them? You know, man, we try to we try to make it as normal as possible for them. We never acted like I was any different. I, I just I was just a guy who needed a chair with wheels to get around. But personality, uh, energy, drive, passion was all there uh, from the beginning. And you know, I was I was very active in our we, we, both of us. We both been very active in our kids' lives from birth. And so every school event, every sporting activity, they've been on multiple sports teams from football, basketball. Taekwondo, soccer, like all of them. And we weren't only, I wasn't only a game day dad. Uh, we were practice cramming. So we would go to practice and games and traveling and tournaments and all of that. So all their kids just was like, man, your dad's so cool. You know, he got that, you know, cool wheelchair. He's always up and down and everything. So it, it, it wasn't really, it never was like, um, oh, his dad's in a wheelchair or his dad's crippled. It wasn't never none of that. And uh, my kids were always comfortable too. Like people would ask them like, Hey, you know, why is your dad in the wheelchair? And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, his muscles are weak. So he can't really walk and do a lot of things, but you know, he does everything else with us. He plays video games. He takes it. He can drive. And the cool thing was, was that I drive my own car. So once people see that I was driving a car and they were always like, Oh, let me see how the car looks. Let me come inside. So I would bring them in and my kid, I have two boys and they're 10 months apart. So they, they had a lot of the same friends. So our house was always like the hangout house, like multiple kids spending the night and playing video games and sleepovers and things like that. So um, it was like the fun house to be at. So we try to make it as normal as possible. So they never really, they never really dealt with that, with those type of issues. Thank God. Wow. That is, that is so awesome. So you just basically said, Hey, this is life. I'm still going to participate in my, my kid's life. I'm going to make it as normal as possible for them. I don't want them to be encumbered by anything else. And, and just putting yourself out there, Jose, is just, I have so much uh, respect and admiration for you because I have known people who've been in wheelchairs, whether they were, you know, uh, paraplegic or quadriplegic. I grew up uh, when I was actually homeless. I stayed at uh, this lady's house. Her husband was a, a quadriplegic. And he could barely move his arm just to move his electric chair. And I learned so much about him and I learned how she took care of them. But also at the same time, he was a recluse. He was like, it was a surfing accident. And actually I've used his story a lot 
um, because he just basically shut down and withered away. I mean, he was still active, but you could even I was only 13 years old, 14 years old. I was like, man, you still got a lot of life in you, but he would just, he just, he, he let it, he let it be, um, um, something negative to happen in his life. So he was just basically surviving. So for you being out there and just being normal, I think that's magnificent. Um, you know, talk to us. You, you, you mentioned the book. You also got your book, which is don't let your struggle become your standard. Uh, what, what is in, what is contained in that book and who is that book written for? Yeah, man, that's a powerful book, man. That it just, it, you know, the English version was a, was a bestseller. The Spanish version just came out a couple of weeks ago, number one bestseller also. And uh, the reason I wrote that book, man, I wrote that book two and a half years ago. Um, and it was because I wanted to share my story with the world. And I wanted to tell that I wanted to show the world that, you know, we're all going to have struggles. You know, mine is visible. I can't hide it. I can't put a mask on it. I can't put it in my pocket, my book bag. It is what it is. But how many people are walking around us uh, you know, with depression and, and anxiety and low self-esteem and low confidence and uh, all different types of different mental health issues that we don't necessarily see because they're not visible, they're internal. But, you know, everybody's going to have their struggle is the point of the book. And I wanted to let people know that you don't have to let your struggle become your standard. Like you said, you know, this guy was great. He had a surfing accident and then he just let that thing take over him. And that happens, we hear that happen all too, all too much, right? People, something tragic happens, something unexpected happens, something that you didn't ask for happens. And you're either going to, you know, eventually be content and accept it and live your life to the fullest with that, or you're going to let that thing dominate your life and then wither away, unfortunately, like, like, the, like the surfer guy did. And, but I wanted to let people know that you don't have to live like that. You know, things are going to happen in life. Uh, sometimes unexpectedly that are tragic accidents, right? And the thing is, is that that thing doesn't have to dominate you. That doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to, you know, dictate what your life is going to look like. And so I wanted to write this book, man, to show people that you don't have to live an average life. You don't have to settle. And no matter what ha has happened to you, that that doesn't define who you are as a person and that you can still be great and do great and mighty things and become successful in your life. And I, and you mentioned something earlier and I wanted to, to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt you. But I wanted to let you guys watching know that no matter what the situation is or circumstance or condition is that you're dealing with. That situation may be right now, a challenging situation, uh, an adversity type of situation for you. But I want to let you know that that's not where the buck has to stop. The buck doesn't have to stop there and you don't have to settle for it. You don't have to settle for it and you don't have to let your struggle become your standard. And you can learn how to use that struggle and turn it into a strength. I have a chapter in my book that's called turning your, <laughs> excuse me, turning your weaknesses into wins. So once I learned how to turn this whole wheelchair situation into a win for me, and now I use the wheelchair as leverage to, to get me in front of certain people or give me access to certain areas. So I've learned how to leverage what was once a problem for me and what was once a struggle for me. Uh, it, it actually is a struggle, but I still use it to my advantage. I use it as leverage and I use it uh, because the, the reality is, is I have one of those cool chairs that elevates 12, uh, 12 a foot in the air. So now I'm not no longer sitting down and looking up at people having conversations. Now I can raise up and have eye to eye level conversations with individuals. So when I'm at events or out in the public, I'm always high up and people are always like, oh, wow, look at that chair, how high it is. Does it go up and down? Like, that's so cool. Like people don't really, most people don't have those type of wheelchairs. So when I'm out in the public, people see that they just see it's, it's like a cool piece of equipment that I get to utilize. And it's a talking point. Everywhere I go, people are like, always asking questions, you know, I'm always smiling. So they're like, oh, you're so positive. So it's attractive, right? My energy is attractive, it's contagious. And people are, I'm like a magnet. People are drawn to me and drawn to the situation. So I use that as, a, as an advantage. I use it as leverage. And I use that to let people know who I am, what I do. And you know how many people I've met that are managers or directors or SVPs in companies. And they're like, I go to Whole Foods and this guy's like, oh yeah, man, I'm the, I'm the senior director of finance, man, at this company. We, man, I would love to have you come and speak to our team. And, you know, getting engagements like that because I'm, I put myself out there, man. I step outside of my comfort zone. I step outside of my box and I put myself in these unique positions. Now, did I always start like that? Heck no. I was scared to do things like that, brother, in the beginning. I was like a little ashamed a little embarrassed, a little small self-esteem. 
And uh, but with that development, man, and 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 building that courageousness and that boldness, man, I I, I do anything and go anywhere and talk to anybody, and um, I have such a high level of confidence right now. Um, which is different from cockiness, right? I have a high level of confidence, but it's attractive because I'm such a personable individual and I connect with so many different people. No matter if you're the janitor or the CEO, I- I'm willing to have a conversation with you. Mm, that is so beautiful, man. That is so beautiful. I mean, really, you do wear your your aura on your on yourself, and I think that's amazing. And I think that's that's beautiful what you said, Jose. Is as far as you know, getting out of our comfort zones. You know, so many people want that comfort. They want certainty. When COVID began, everybody's like, I want my normal back. I want certainty back. And it's like, is that really the way to live life? I mean, true. I, I teach this thing about living versus existing. And you talk about, you said tolerating before and mediocrity and settling and things of that nature. Um, how, how do you recommend for people to get out of their comfort zones? And how often do you re- recommend people to get out of their comfort zones in order, in order to really grow? You know, you, it's, it's like breathing, man. You breathe every day, right? You got to get out your comfort zone every single day. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's frightening sometimes. It, 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 sometimes it can cause anxiety, but you have to push through it. Yeah. The only way for you to reach that next level of whatever you want your life to look like, whether it's success or finances or connecting with people or just getting outside of your house, you have to get outside of your box. You have mm-hmm. to get outside of your comfort zone. That's the only place you're going to be able to level, level up. And every time you step out of your comfort zone, uh, it's almost like you create another zone and you have to continue to step outside of the zone because you're going to get comfortable in that zone. And once you get comfortable there, you got to go into another zone and get uncomfortable. Then you got to mm-hmm. go into another zone and get uncomfortable. So there's, there's always different zones, multiple levels and zones of this thing called life. And in order for you to level up and go to the next zone, you got to get outside of the comfort zone. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I love talking about that, Chris. I love talking about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. As you can see, man, look, and let me give you, you guys a visual. This is what the wheelchair looks like. So I'm in this thing. I'm in this thing sometimes 16, 17 hours a day. And I can still feel everything. So when you talk about being comfortable being uncomfortable, man, like I become a master at that and I push through. Sometimes my butt is achy. Sometimes my ankles are swollen. And but when the work needs to get done, man, it needs to get done. And the only way it's going to get done is if you push through all of the excuses. Right. I can be like, mm. oh, my butt hurts. Let me get in bed. Oh, my ankles are swollen. Let me get in bed. Oh, my back feels a little stiff. Let me get in bed. But if I get in bed, then it's going to take me that much longer to execute on what it is that I want to execute in life. Mm hmm. No, I, I love what you said, Jose. And actually, it's interesting you say it in such a way, because I was coaching somebody last week, and we were talking about comfort zones. And we were talking about <clears throat> um, leveling up, like you said, and I was trying to use the analogy of a video game. I'm like, you know, when you when whatever it is that you're playing, you always have to kind of level up and, and risk more and, and challenge yourself more to get to that next level and being able to do that. Um, and, I, and I love what you said about, you know, pushing through the pain. Like people have told me, like, I have a really bad back. I had back major back surgery last year. Um, I've got crushed nerves. I got a bunch of stuff. They want to do another surgery on me. And I'm just like, no. And, and so, but people keep telling me like, Chris, you need to take it easy. And I'm like, no, because, because I'm in pain does not, pain does not automatically equate to, if you're in pain, you need to stop and wait for the pain to stop. Sometimes you need to take that pain. And like you said, use that as leverage, use that as a grind. Like, okay, I'm not going to let this pain get over on me. I'm going to have the pain either way. So like what I, when I go walking, sometimes I'm in brutal pain. Like it just feels like somebody just crushed my hips and I'm like, okay, I could sit at home and, and sit on my ass for three days and wait for it to feel better. But how about if I go out there and strengthen all the muscles that are around the ones that are in pain? Maybe the ones that are in pain are because I'm my legs are weaker now and because of this and that. And I, I was telling this person that like I never really thought about that. I'm like, yeah, you sit there and you you're, you're waiting for the pain to go away, or you're waiting for it to minimize, or childhood pain, a mental pain, whatever it might be. And I, my my philosophy again, I'm not a doctor, so anybody out there, but my philosophy is that if there's pain, if especially emotional pain, you need to go to it and figure it out because the sooner you knock it out, the sooner you get to the, the root of it, the, the root of it, the sooner you can move on with your life. And you know, just to, just to back up what you were saying, Jose, I got to a point, even me, the no excuses coach, the unstoppable guy, the master motivator, all the different monikers that I've always had. It was about five years ago that I decided to put that on my. What doesn't kill me only makes what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. I literally had to to put that on my arm one day because I was like, I found myself going through this bitter period where I was kind of down on myself and I didn't have the same self-confidence. And I was like, 
And I, I found myself with my head in my hands going, God, how much more shit do I have to go through? How much really, when is, when am I going to get to a spot where it's going to be, I, I can take a break. And I'm like, Chris, there is no breaks. There is, there's, you, you keep, you climb to the, you climb to the peak, you look out and you go, wow, it's a beautiful peak. And I earned that climb because I busted my ass to get here. And then you look up the next peak and go, okay, well, that's going to suck. But at least I got this strong coming up this way. I'm going to get stronger going that way. It's better than staying here and just being mediocre. I'm going to keep going and climbing and, and, and addressing that pain as an excitement, right? As an energy versus something that's negative. What are your thoughts on that? Given your situation, the pain that you have to deal with. Yeah, man. You know, I, I was always, one of the things that kept me stuck for so many years, Chris, was that I was always focusing on the things that I couldn't do and the things that I didn't have uh, because of my condition. And, you know, I, I would joke around and tell God some days like, man, God, all right, you took my legs and, uh, but, but and you take my arms, but give me my arms back at least. At least let me get my arms back, you know? And it's not that he's taking it, right? Because that wasn't his fault. But, you know, I say it jokingly, but the thing is, is that, you know, the reality is, is that as my muscles were giving up on me and I was losing my ability and I've lost my ability to do a lot of things physically, I'm so grateful, Chris, that I still have my voice. I'm so grateful that I have my voice and uh, that I have a sound mind. I'm intelligent. I'm educated. I'm well-learned. I'm well-read. I love to understand and read things. I'm a student of life. And as long as I'm, I'm, my mind is, is sound and capable of obtaining information and, and utilizing and regurgitating that information, and I'm able to voice myself in a powerful way through encouraging and inspiring and motivating the masses, man. Bro, I could be like Christopher Reeves, man, like this. And still mm -hmm. use my voice, bro. And I'm going to get up on fire every single day anyhow, bro. Because as long as you can hear the sound of my voice, then that means I can still make impact. And, and you know, sometimes we, we say, you know, people always ask me, man, like, what, what is it that keeps you going, Jose? What is it that keeps you fired up? And I know this sounds cliche. We hear a lot of people say it. But it, it's just so true for me, man. And, and I'm just, I'm one of those dudes that I'm just so grateful, man, for the smallest things. Mm -hmm. I know how to myself in, an, in a state of having an attitude of gratitude immediately first thing in the morning and even when I'm going through my days like and, and I start you know I'm human right there's days where I'm like man why can't I do this man why can't I can't even freaking grab this so I can't do this and I could I find myself going down this rabbit hole and then I catch myself and I'm like okay wait a minute we're not gonna do that today you know mm -hmm. what I mean Having that high level of awareness is important man because when you can when you can recognize it and realize it quickly, then that's, you know, the quicker you can recognize it, the quicker you can make a shift, the quicker you can make a pivot. So the longer you take, the longer, the further down that rabbit hole you're going to go and the longer mm -hmm. and harder it is going to be to come out of that thing. And so I'm, I'm just grateful that I have a high level of awareness and I'm aware of those things. So when I find myself and I see myself, you know, thinking negative or having that self negative talk, I'm like, nah, nah, you ain't going to do this, bro. Like my, my, my good, my strong side is like, Jose, nah, we ain't going to do this today, brother. You ain't going to go down that route. I'm not going to let you mm -hmm. do that today. And I catch myself and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm just grateful. And I just start, I just start saying out loud, thank, I'm like, thank, I'm thankful. Thank you for my wife. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for, you know, my influence. I'm grateful for my voice. And I just start going down what I'm grateful for, man. You, like in, within seconds, bro, it's like incredible. Mm -hmm. Within seconds, my whole chemical makeup is changing. We are, we are so alike, Jose. It's, it's, uh, I'm so glad you said that because I'm the same exact way, the same exact way. I was just doing a walk and talk this morning. Um, and I told people, I said, you know, the first thing I do is I wake up in the morning. What am I grateful for? Even before my eyes open, like I'm grateful my son's in the next room sleeping. I'm thankful my wife is here healthy. I'm thankful we have a nice bed to sleep and I'm thankful that the heater works. I'm always like, you know, grateful. And I tell people all the time, like when people are having shitty days, I'm like, you know, did you by any chance go into a room in your house today and turn a, a lever on the wall and have hot streaming water just come out of the wall for as much as you want to go take a hot shower? Isn't that pretty cool? Didn't you hit a light switch and everything was illuminated? Did you turn a key in your car and your car started? I mean, there's so much stuff to be grateful for. So oh, how, about are you, how about are you able to take a deep breath on your own? Did somebody pay your oxygen bill? <laughs> then you <did. laughs> Dude, dude, I mean, not to be graphic, but I, I literally, I, cause I'm always, I'm always, even when I'm not doing a show, I'm always talking to people and learning from people. I've always just been that way. Um, and I literally had somebody tell me one time, he goes, cause he, he's heard me use these different examples. Right. And he goes, Chris, I have a new one for you. And I'm like, what? And he goes about gratitude. I'm like, okay, what is it? And I kind of knew what he had gone through, but he goes, just, I'm going to be very graphic here. He goes, I'm grateful. Now I get to take a shit. And I was like, 
what, what? And he's like, yeah, he goes just to be able to go to the bathroom. And long story short, he had his colon rupture and he had part of it uh, uh, dissected or, or, or resected or something like that. He had part of it taken out. And so he had to use a colostomy bag for six months. And he goes, dude, he goes, the things I used to complain about, he goes, are so trivial to the fact I just want to go to the bathroom. I just want to go to the bathroom on my own. I want to be able to eat what I want. And he took all that stuff for granted. So, I mean, even, even the littlest things being able to take and be, be, um, be grateful for them. Like one time I had, I was totally, totally sick. And I was thinking about, I was like, okay, you know, actually oddly enough, I was thinking like, what if I was paralyzed? How would I, how would I be able to throw up? I can't run to the, to the toilet to throw up. I'm, I'm grateful that I have legs that I can go to the toilet and throw up. Um, so yeah, gratitude is massive, dude. Yeah, man, for sure. That. But what I really want to dig into now with our, with our, with our remaining time is, is excuses, right? You're a coach, you're a speaker, you go into corporations, you have group coaching programs, you're going to be coaching with your wife. Uh, talk to me about some of that. Talk to us about some of the excuses that you hear quite a bit from people and your ways of recommending how they change that, whether, you know, their top excuses, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money, whatever that excuse might be. What are, what are your, uh, common, um, uh, points that they can do to mitigate some of those excuses. Yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. The top excuse that we hear all the time is, "I I don't have time," you know, "I don't have the resources or the money," like you said. And it just goes back to like, how bad do you want it, right? Like, is it a priority for you in your life to obtain this thing or achieve this thing? Like, where on your priority list is that? And if it's not on the top, then you're going to find that you don't have the time and that you don't have the money because it's not on the top. It's all the way at the bottom of the totem pole. So if you, you know, one time I had this guy, you know, he reached out to me for coaching. I told him what my fee was and he was like, wow, that's expensive. And I was like, well, what if I told you I was able to give you a Lamborghini for that same price? Would you find the money for it? He was like, Absolutely. I was like, well, why wouldn't you? I was like, that Lamborghini is only going to last you a couple of years. The information and the coaching and the training and the teaching that I'm going to give you is going to last your entire life. So don't you think that it's more valuable to invest in yourself than in a Lamborghini? And, you know, you know, you just have to put things into perspective for people. A lot of times if you tell somebody, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a Chick-fil-A franchise for the same amount of my coaching. Would you find the money for it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's because they believe Listen to this. This is important. They believe that that Chick-fil-A is going to yield them a return that's going to be satisfactory to them. So they're willing to find the money for that Chick-fil-A, but they won't find the money to invest in themselves, which means that they don't believe in themselves that the results that they're willing to produce for themselves would be satisfactory for them. It's incredible, bro. And that's a mindset. So you have to be able to shift that mindset and change that mindset and create a new mindset. Listen. My mentor, Les Brown, he said the easiest thing he did was in his life was to make a million dollars. And the hardest thing he ever did in his life was to believe that he was capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset, brother. If you think you can't make a million, you won't. If you think you can, you will, and you'll figure out how to. Because mm -hmm. you, you can. It's all a mindset, man. And that's why I'm such a mindset disruptor because I just, and, and you know, I think I have a little edge because since I'm in a wheelchair, I don't have to deal with as much BS as maybe the normal coach would because some coaches feel like they don't want to offend or they don't, you know, they want to, mm. you know what I'm saying? They don't want to ruffle any feathers. Uh, I think I have I an edge because <laughs> since I'm in a wheelchair, it's going to be very hard for any of my clients to come to me with any type of excuses, right? Mm -hmm. They give me an excuse. I'm like, uh, do you see what kind of situation I'm in? Like, you're really going to come to me with this type of excuse, knowing what I have to go through. You're just going to go ahead and do that and, and insult my intelligence. Come on, don't do that to yourself. You know, and then it's just like I'm able to talk to them in a way where it's not like like I'm coming down hard on them, but I'm like putting it into perspective. Like, listen, dude, look at me. Just open your eyes and look at me. Look at what I got to go through. You cannot come to me with these type of excuses, because if I don't have excuses for myself to show up for you or myself, why would you come to me with some excuses for yourself? Right? Mm -hmm. and like, man, Jose, why you got to do, you got to pull that card on me. Why you got to do that to me like that, man? But it's, it's funny because, you know, I make it fun. I make it exciting, but I, but I make it very, very practical and very relatable. And I'm, and I put it into a deep type of perspective for them. Like, come on, this isn't something that you can't do it. You don't want to do it. You don't want it bad enough. It's not a priority to you. Don't tell me you don't have time for this time. Do you, do you take showers? 
Yes. Well, wh why do you take showers? That takes time. Oh, well, because I, I need to take, well, don't you need all these other things too? The same way you make 10 minutes to do a shower, take 10 minutes at night to read 10 pages mm -hmm. of stuff or to learn something or watch a video that's going to help you in whatever you're learning. Right. And it's just, it's sort of, it's a matter of uh, priorities and perspective and uh, perception, right? Mm -hmm. you have to put all of those and combine those and make it happen. So that's what I tell all of my clients, man. I, I tell them, it, 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 even in the contract that I make them sign, I'm like, hey, listen, are you willing to do everything that's required, required of yourself to get the result that you're looking for? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. yes, agree. I'm willing to work with you. No, we're not a fit for each other. Mm -hmm. That's and the same way I am. That's the same way I am, dude. It's funny because I used to take on everybody as a coaching client. I'm like, oh yeah, I can just help everybody. And it was like, no, even if they wanted to pay me and everything else. Now I'm like on a scale of one to 10, 10 being absolute. How bad do you, how bad are you willing to get uncomfortable to risk for what it is that you truly want? And if it's not like an eight or nine or a 10, I'm like, no, like, oh, you know, six or seven. I'm like, mm, no, no. Talk to me about that. What, 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 why isn't it not a 10? Why is it not an eight? You know, oh, usually I can determine it. It's about, it goes back to that belief, like you said, uh, Jose. And one of the things that fascinates me the most and something I'm actually going to be working with my coaching clients tonight in our group coaching program is the words that we use, right? You know, the words that we use, the phrases that we use, um, you know, it always blows my mind when people sit there and say, you know, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you just said you won't. You, you can, you just said you won't. You say, exactly. I can't, you're trying to give yourself an out, but you're just saying I won't. So you need to accept that. Exactly. But, so what are, what are some of the words and phrases that you help your, your clients with um, when they come to you and like, and you go, okay, that's a root problem. You have to, okay, I don't think I deserve this. Or I don't, you know, how do you, how do you get people to change the words that they use on themselves? Well, I tell them to try to stop using as much as they can. The words can't, won't, don't like all of the negative words mm -hmm. to not use those. And, and I say, and I say try because, you know, you hear some people say you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And it's, and that sounds great in, in, in theory, but it's not, it's always easier said than done. Right. If you've been programmed your entire life to believe you can't, you won't, you, 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 you don't, you won't never, you'll never be able to. And, and all these negative words, it's not going to take just a flip of a switch for you to be able to not do those things anymore. There's a process that everybody has to go through. That's why it's called coaching, right? Because if that was, if it was that easy, you'd pay me a fee. I'd give you a list. And it'll just automatically happen. And it just mm -hmm. doesn't happen like that, right? So it does process that we have to go through. And you have to, what I like to say is we have to, we have to reboot the mainframe, right? We have to change the programming. And because we've been programmed for so many years to think uh, that there's not enough. We live in a, we have a scarcity mentality. Uh, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I like many people disqualify themselves without even giving it a shot. I'm like, are you just going to, so you're not even going to try like give, that's why I say try, you know, like you got to try to change these things and eventually mm -hmm. tr by trying them, you'll be able to accomplish it. It's like, I can't tell you, Chris, Hey, listen, we're going to go into the gym and you're going to bench 500 pounds. And I don't want to hear you say you can't, you're going mm -hmm. to do it or you're not going to do it. It just, that doesn't happen like that. Right. You got to work your way up to that. And so it's just like anything else, man, you got to practice, practice, practice and, and implement. But this is the key word right here is you got to be intentional about it. Intentionality mm -hmm. is a huge word and it holds a lot of weight, but you have to be intentional with, with the things that you do and the things that you want, right? Like even like, I'm just going to use marriage as an example, because we spoke about that. Like in order for you to have a thriving marriage, you have to be intentional to do the things that you want for your spouse, because what your spouse likes, you don't like. You're not, or not, not all the time, but maybe what your spouse like, you don't like, but you have to be intentional to do what it is that your spouse likes so that you can, you know, bring joy and happiness and contentment and fulfillment to your spouse. So that's going to take intentionality, right? So if by nature, you're not the type that likes gifts, but your wife likes gifts, then by nature, you don't care if you get gifts or not, but your wife loves it. So you have to be intentional about buying your wife gifts, like flowers and chocolates or or whatever the case may be that she likes. So it's intentionality is key, man. And I think that's great with coaching. You have to be intentional about what you do and what you want in life. Mm. So, so beautiful. I love that you, that you bring that up intention because yeah, some people have an intention, but they're, but the weight and the investment behind the intention is only lackluster because they're, they're, they're giving themselves an out to fail or to make a mistake. 
Um, what, how, how important is it to, to have that, that level of belief in oneself to be able to achieve these goals? I mean, isn't that where it starts to have that belief and that faith that you can achieve anything that you put your mind to? I mean, given your example and everything else that uh, you've seen in your life with the people that you coach, does it really come down to that belief? If, if they don't have the belief, but they have the intention, is it still going to work out? Absolutely, man. You know, yeah, no, it's, if you don't have the belief, it's not going to work out, bro. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in your capabilities and your gift and, and gifts and your talents um, in order for anything that you want in life to work out. You have to believe. And I'm a firm believer that everything starts and ends in the mind. So mm -hmm. it starts with a thought or an image or a vision or a dream, right? All of that happens in the mind. That doesn't happen in the external. It happens internally. So it starts in the mind and then it begins to manifest itself into your reality because of the work that you put in, because of the belief system that you begin to develop, because of the habits that you begin to develop, because of the routines that you begin to develop. And all of that, by doing all of that, then it starts to manifest itself in a reality into your life and it becomes real and it becomes visible. Now it goes from internal uh, seeing to external seeing and tangible and touching. And it's a process, man. And the, the problem is, is that you know, we live in such a microwave type of mentality society that you just want to hit the button and in two minutes, things are done. And it just, that mm -hmm. doesn't work like that, man. And and I know that because of my condition and how my body has given up and the process that I've had to go through myself with my condition and my body and, and, and that whole process, you know, and the problem is, is that people want to skip the process too many times. And there is no skipping the process, man. You know, you can... Uh, sometimes skip some moves. Sometimes you can skip some levels, but you can never skip the process, bro. You have to go like a coach, right? A coach and a mentor, they can help you skip some levels, right? And then when you become an expert, they may be, you may be so good at it that you can skip some moves and go to the next one and, and make things happen. But in the beginning, man, you, you have to go through the process. Everyone has to go through the process. You can't get a college degree without going through the process. You can't develop muscles without going to the gym and going through the process. You can't lose weight without going to the gym and losing through the process, right? You can't, you know, have children without going through a process, <laughs> right? And so there's always a process that we're going to have to go through. And you just have to figure out what that process may look like for you in your life and what your bigger vision is for yourself and then create a plan to execute and enjoy and embrace that. Listen, there's so many, if, if anybody knows about patience, man, and having to depend on people is me. There's times mm -hmm. bro, like you talked about your boy who had to have that, uh, you know, he was uh, having a poop in that bag. You know, there's times, man, where I have to go through the bath and I, and I go regularly to the bathroom, right? I don't have a bag or, or anything like that or a urinal. I, I just go to the bathroom. So, I mean, a catheter. So I, when I have to go, I have to go. So there's times where I have to go to the bathroom, man, like number two. And I have to, if, my, if my wife is busy or one of my kids aren't here and they're busy and they're like, hey, let me just finish this up, man. I, I got to hold it so they're mm -hmm. able to come. It's not like you said, like if you got to vomit and run to the bathroom, you have two legs, you can go. It's like, man, I got to hold my stomach muscles and be like, oh, man, hurry up. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so. Yeah. There's, there's a process that we have to go through. So, but building that patience through the process is an amazing thing, man, because I've built such a level of patience, such a level of endurance, man. Endurance is another thing, bro, that it, you think about it and it sounds great. And people are like, oh yeah, you endure, you endure. But man, <laughs> endurance is where you get dirty, brother. That's the dirty part of, you know, it, endurance is the dirty part of moving forward in life because you have to persevere and endure. Those two words, man, are key words in reaching any level of success in life. Mm, well said. Well said, man. Um, geez, already been talking for an hour, man. Already been talking for an hour. Truth bombs, nuggets, everything. Um, really just, I mean, just so, so so inspirational, so impactful, so educational, Jose, you know, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your story and sharing the rawness and the vulnerability of what it is that you've been through. But more importantly, your mindset and your attitude and your behaviors and your actions and the things that you focus on, I think is brilliant. You know, uh, I want you to take us out here and, and, and just figuratively, I'm giving you a microphone to the world. You know, we're going at the time of the taping, we're going through COVID. We thought it was going to be a couple of months. It's been since March. We're now in October. 
Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be going on until next year. We got people who are desperate. We're going into the holidays. We got a lot of people who are struggling right now, man. And I would just love for you to take a minute or two. And if you had a microphone to the world, everybody's listening. What would you say for them to get through these times to have that mindset, whether where it's financial or it's physical or it's marriage or anything else to get them through these times, to keep them going, uh, to know that it's not going to be this bleak for the rest of their lives, that there is opportunity. Uh, what would you tell them, man? And where yeah, and, and I already know where you, they can get a hold of you as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for that opportunity. You know, if you're listening and you're watching this, I want to let you know, man, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that we're all going through our own fair share of uh, struggles, challenges, adversities and difficulties. But I, like I said, I want you to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, with the holidays coming, everybody's always worrying about gifts and things like that. And that's cool. But if you're not in a position where that's, you know, you're going to be able to do that and partake into that this year. I know a lot of people are struggling, struggling in that area. Focus on the gifts that you were born with. Focus on the gifts that you have right in front of you, like your children, if you have children, your spouse, your relationship, your loved ones. Those are all gifts. So if you can't actually get physical gifts, focus on those gifts that are right in front of you before your eyes, like your loved ones, your home, your, your internal gifts that you were born with. Like, and focus on those things and, and, and maximize and excel in those areas. And I want you to know, man, like my book says, don't let your struggle become your standard. This is just another season, like any other season that we've gone through. We've been through 9-11. We've been through wars. We've been through uh, all different types of situations. And we, as a human species, are able to prevail and keep moving forward and we can win. So if you're watching this, I want to let you know that you don't need to stop. Don't stop until you win. Keep pushing forward. Keep moving. Keep persevering. Keep enduring. And the most important thing is keep believing that success is waiting for you at the end of the tunnel where the light is. And you just got to keep on trekking until you get there. And then you'll be able to live the life that you've always wanted to. And I know that to be a fact because if I can do it, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you can do it and even more than me. So I, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I love you and I thank you. And you can also follow me uh, on any social media platform at Jose Inspires. Uh, you can get more information uh, about me and my products, my books and my coaching and all of that on my website at joseinspires.com. So again, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I believe in you. I know you have what it takes already inside of you. You need to unleash it and start going and living the life that you've always dreamed of and that you deserve and that you always deserve. Bam, brother. Hey, thank you so much for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show with me. Uh, sharing this. I look forward to more conversations. Definitely when that book comes out, let me know, have you and your wife on as a guest and be able to talk about that and promote that and just keep in touch, man. I mean, seriously, anything I can ever do for you. Uh, likewise, I mean, we lean on each other. If you're having a bad day, I'm here for you. I just want you to know how much you truly inspire me and from the work and the research that I've done, how many people you impact you on a daily basis with everything that you do, uh, being a tremendous uh, dad to your sons, being a tremendous husband to your wife, uh, 13 years, been together for 20. It's funny. Actually, tomorrow's my 13th wedding anniversary. So another thing we have in oh, common. Happy anniversary. We've been for, uh, thank you. We've been together for 18 years. So uh, yeah, oh, more, more stuff in common. But uh, no, thank you so much, Jose, for, for doing what you do, for being who you are. And uh, just truly uh, look forward to getting to know you better and supporting everything that you're doing. Um, and uh, one day share the stage and uh, have a drink one day and just be able to meet in person and, and talk more, man. But uh, thank you so much for being here and we'll make sure that everybody can get a hold of you. We'll put the, uh, the contact information in the show notes. But uh, hang on one sec, brother. I'm going to put you backstage. And I'm going to close out the show and then uh, we'll rendezvous for just a second. But uh, thank you again for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. I appreciate you and uh, take care, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Whoops. Uh, wrong button. Uh, there we go. Um, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another unstoppable session of the raw and unscripted show with Christopher Roush, special guest tonight, Jose Flores. Holy crap, right? I mean, think about the excuses that you come up with on a daily basis. Think about the whining that you do on a daily basis. Oh, this is hard. That's hard. I don't want to do that. All that other stuff. And then just go back and watch this hour again, watch and listen to Jose's story. Watch and listen to the fact that he could have been a victim to the situation that he was, you know, had no control over. He could have easily been, oh, this sucks and this is horrible and why me? And he could have drug everybody down with them and just been a miserable person for the rest of his life. Been cynical about where he's going to wind up. Oh, it's going to probably get worse and everything else. But you see what he did. He sat there and said, okay, listen, I have a situation that I have to deal with. We all have situations that we have to deal with. 
And he says, okay, what can I do? How can I be the best I can possibly be at this? How can I take my trash and turn this into my treasure and be able to go coach other people and speak to other people and write books and, and have so many different opportunities to impact people's lives, whether it's a relationship book, whether it's a motivational book, whether it's a children's book and being able to see that, you know, still not giving up on his dreams to have family, to have two beautiful young sons, to be able to impact their lives and the things that they do and going out in the world and being able to be an advocate for people who have, you know, physical limitations that, that aren't blessed you know, like the rest of us, you know, so there's so much beauty and opportunity in the struggles that we face. If we choose again, choose, if we choose to sit there and take that situation and say, what can I learn from that? Or like my tattoo says, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. See, I look at opportunities like that, like anything that I'm going through in my life, like, okay, yeah, this sucks. But guess what? I'm kind of excited to figure this out because once I figure out the root problem of it, then I can go help other people. You know, then I can go help other people. I can tell you over the last 10 years, several situations where I was pretty down and I sat there and said, okay, I got to get through this. I got to figure this out because I'm going to use this to help other people go through this because if I'm going through it, then they're going through it. And if I can go through it and make it successful, like Jose said, then anybody can do it really. I mean, it's just that opportunity of seeing things as possible rather than shooting yourself in the foot. You know, I always encourage people who were talking about words earlier, use the word perhaps perhaps I could become more organized if I started studying books on organization. Perhaps I could be a morning person if I exhausted myself at night and went to bed early. Perhaps I could be better at managing my finances if I got a couple of books. Whatever it is, give yourself an opportunity to be successful. Don't shoot yourself in the foot every time you get an opportunity because I see so many people doing that. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. They're just chronic excusers and everything else. And that's a miserable place to live. You know, we get one opportunity at this life. Why don't we make the best of it? Why not choose to be in the moment? Why not choose to have gratitude in your heart? Why not choose to make the world a better place? Be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. You guys hear me say that all the time. All right. I love you guys. Get in, get in touch with Jose. Follow him. Support him. Get to know him a lot better because he's a magnificent human being and he's only going to continue to rock the world. So, and again, on my side, thank you guys so much for being here. If you love this, please share this. Um, it's really important to us to get this message out there to people, to grow our fan base, to grow the people that we're able to impact and just have a really super uh, awesome time doing it. Uh, somebody's trying to call me as I'm wrapping up my show. Uh, so anyways, we love you. Comments, questions, everything else in there. Uh, we love you. And we'll see you guys next week on the Ron and Scripture show.